shall not add to what I command you, nor subtract from it. You shall not add to what I command you, nor subtract from it. In this homily, I'd like to talk about that, this addition and subtraction that we habitually have in our relationship to the law of God that we might not be aware of. First, addressing the addition of law, adding laws to the law of God. We looked at the Pharisees in the gospel today and their relationship with the law and adding all of these laws. Now, I can't imagine that the Pharisees were so righteous that they had looked at the Ten Commandments, had mastered them, and then become bored and said, you know what we should do? Let's make the game a little bit more fun. Let's add a few more laws. That's probably not the relationship that they had with the law. But probably the relationship they had with the law and what Jesus says as much whenever he says, your hearts are far from the Lord, but your lips are close, is that looking at the mysteriousness of the human heart, they despaired that the law would make them holy and then took on other human precepts to sort of soothe their conscience, to trick them into thinking we are pleasing the Lord. What I'm talking about, and as we all know, that the law is not just given to us as something to obey, which God then pats us on the head and says, good job, you followed well. But the law is meant to transform. And we see that really clearly in the first reading. Now, recently in the lectionary, and this happens um, not infrequently, is that if you notice in, in a Missalette or in Magnificat, there will be verses that are cut out. And there are some verses that are cut out here. And when Moses is giving this Deuteronomic covenant, which is a little bit different from the covenant that was given at Sinai, Deuteronomy being a second law, when he's giving this second law, it's the only time that God gives a covenant and it's not given on a mountain. It's the only time that God gives a covenant it's not given on a mountain. We know the significance of the mountain, this nearness of God, showing that the authority comes from God, and then we have to come down and live it here on earth. But this covenant is given in a valley. And it's not given in any valley, but it's given in the valley adjacent to the Baal of Peor. The Baal of Peor, which is in where, um, where the Israelites committed idolatry by associating themselves with the Midianite women. And afterwards, 24,000 Israelites died of a plague that God allowed because of their idolatry that they committed. So when God is giving, when Moses is giving this covenant to the Israelites, you can imagine, as he's speaking to everybody in the background, you see the abomination of Baal Peor. And he's saying this, Remember what happens when you fall away from the law of God, that you will fall into this kind of horrible sin and this desolation. And that the law of God is meant to transform from the inside out. It's meant to have that purpose. But the Pharisees despair of that. And we know we are like the Pharisees whenever... We don't follow the law of God simply. But when we go into the confessional, we confess all these problems and say, you know what? I probably just need to do one more thing. I probably just need to take on another novena. 
or I probably just need to um, get up and, and read the readings for the day. That's not going to fix the issue of moral sin, probably. And we treat the law as if it's something very distant from us. Like, I need to go out and do one more thing to find God. But we know in the same book of Deuteronomy that Moses says to the people, the law is not in a distant country. It is not over there. It is here. It is near and it is in your hearts. That we know Christianity is not man's pursuit of God, but it's God's pursuit of man. And he pursues us if we only make ourselves still and allow him to speak through our conscience and not try to take on one more thing. Because then we will become like whitewashed tombs that die the slow death from the inside because we are only concerned with the outside. God is searches for man. And he does that by the simplicity of his law. But as far as the other relationship that we might have with the law, subtraction, I think this is actually more common amongst us, is that we do know that the law transforms and that we have experienced that following the law of God does help us to become a wise and intelligent people. But usually what happens is that we have encounter with Jesus. And we have encounter with either taking on better habits, or we've encountered with him in prayer. And then, because we're American consumerists, we take that and say, you know what? This is very helpful. I'm going to stop right here. And this usually manifests itself in the person who is only concerned with confessing sins of the flesh and concerned with overcoming sins of the flesh. And once that person has overcome those sins of the flesh, Everything else doesn't matter as much. And the reason is, is because the sins of the flesh cause a particular shame. The person who is greedy does not feel a great deal of shame. The person who sins through the flesh does. And that's because greed simply hardens the heart. It's one of these cold-hearted sins. And this is why Jesus is always in pride, similarly. This is why Jesus is always going very hard after the greedy and the prideful. And he's very gentle with someone like the adulterous woman because he has to work hard to get at that. And we get into this relationship with the law where we say, I understand that if I live the law of God in a way that makes me feel better, then that's actually the transformation. Everything else is just one. And this is a very faulty understanding that we have with the law. And that's if the law is only made for our transformation. The law is only made to make us better people. And to the extent that it doesn't make me feel like a better person, or I feel like it's not effective in my life, well, then it can be thrown to the side. And that's a problem. Because the law is given to us to be in relationship. The law is given to us to be in relationship. Give me an example, not necessarily following the law, something that every priest and seminary should do, is that I'd always struggle, I never felt like praying the rosary um, throughout high school, college, and early years of seminary was very effective for me. It just felt like it was hard work, and that I had a lot more fruit from meditation and Lexio Divina. So one year, I'm going to the Fet Tesh, and there's the boat procession going by, you just see all these old Cajun people praying the rosary in French and then realizing the rosary 
has not, like me praying the rosary has nothing to do with my own personal edification. It has nothing to do with my own personal fulfillment. If I pray the rosary every day, it's because it joins me to this people, that this is the prayer of the people. And then we do these seminary evaluations and kind of uh, go over the whole time in seminary over your old six years before you're ordained a priest. That was the one comment that one of the formators made. He said, that is the most important thing that you've learned in prayer, that it's not about you. It's about joining yourself to them. And similarly, we approach the law from a consumer's perspective, that the law is supposed to make me happy to the extent it doesn't, doesn't mean anything. But God can't be related to as simply a friend. God has to be related to as God. This is why throughout salvation history, God doesn't reveal himself as just a friend to the Israelites and then a teacher to the Israelites and then finally God. No, God first reveals himself as God and then as he draws himself, as he draws his people to himself and into greater obedience, he no longer calls them slaves, but he calls them friends. The law serves not just for our own edification and self-actualization. It serves to bind us to the Lord. It serves us to relate to the Lord the only way that we fundamentally can, as God, as absolute authority. And so in following the law, we always are never in a position where we say, you know what, that law doesn't make any sense. Because we are working ourselves out of a fallen state where our intellects are darkened and our wills are weakened. And simply following the law, we bind ourselves to God. And that is the, I mean, that's what we are made for. Not for our own kind of edification and happiness, but only to belong to the Lord for eternity. And so we ask that we can follow the law in all its simplicity. And that's simply in following the law that we may love the Lord with all our heart, mind, and soul, and strength, and our neighbor as ourselves.